Welcome to the Community Fellowship Podcast, your way to stay connected with biblically-themed messages, discussions, and interviews from Community Fellowship in East Bernard, Texas. Learn more about our church at the cfeb.church website, check us out on social media at CF East Bernard, or attend an in-person service at 635 Main Street in East Bernard. We are a local church that works to make the love of Christ for all humanity known to our community and the world. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this week's content. In 2019, there were two sisters, one five years old and one eight years old, who decided they want to go kind of explore the forest that adjoined their California 80-acre land plot. And so they went into the forest, and after a few hours, their parents got a little bit nervous and worried because they had not returned. And so they alerted the local authorities, and search and rescue went on a hike and exploration for them. 44 hours later, after the girls had left, the workers finally found them, huddled underneath a thornberry bush, safe, a little bit dehydrated, a little bit malnourished, but safe, and brought them back to their parents. Now, interestingly enough, they had just wandered off to explore some of the beauty of nature within the forest, but they had gotten off of the trail. And all researchers say that even if you're an experienced hiker, most of the search and rescues that happen within any kind of hiking area happen because they went off the pre-marked trail. Well, last week we started a brief series in the book of Hosea, and we looked at the first three chapters together, and today we're going to be looking at the last few chapters. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Hosea 11. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the seats in front of you. You're more than welcome to grab one of those and turn there with us as well. But we're going to start reading in verse 1 of chapter 11, Hosea chapter 11. And I'll give you a little more time again. I know that, again, that's one of those books that we're not as familiar with as some others. Hosea chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Let's read together. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. Like I just mentioned, uh, last week we looked at the, the narrative portion of Hosea in chapters 1 through 3, in which we saw both Hosea's unfortunate call to ministry and his doomed love story. And I say doomed because God calls him as an example to the nation of Israel to marry a woman who he undeniably knew would be unfaithful to him. Uh, but there's another reason that we mentioned last week that God does this. There's another reason that God calls Hosea to do this, because God wants Hosea to feel what God felt in his tragic love story with the nation of Israel, how they chased 
other things outside of the God who had saved them, the God that had delivered them out of Egypt by his dramatic, powerful displays, how they chased and worshipped other gods and other idols. And we, and we briefly alluded to the idea that this is what the season of Lent is actually all about. It's about this idea that we identify and suffer with God over our propensity to sin. And you might be asking yourself, what in the world did that first story have to do with this message? Well, here's the reason. Because every time I think of the season of Lent, I get drawn into one of the great hymns of our faith, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And I want to read some lyrics from that great hymn that was penned in the 18th century. So listen to this. O grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy grace now, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. Like we concluded last week, the story of God's people, Israel, in the Old Testament is our story as well. We all drift away from that incredible grace and the mercy that God has given to us. And we finally saw last week that God had had enough of Israel's wandering. He didn't want to put up with it anymore. And we saw how in the names of Hosea's own children, God was going to discipline his people Israel. That discipline was that he was going to judge Jehu for and his family line for the unfortunate events that happened at Jezreel. And then he was going to remove the product of his love, the financial blessing that he had given to Israel. He was going to remove that from them. And that he was finally, he was threatening them with something that he absolutely detests and hates. He was going to divorce his people. That's how frustrated the Lord is. And in the following chapters, 4 through 10 of Hosea, he, Hosea lays out further discipline and further consequences for the sin that Israel is wrapped up in. But then the tune of the entire prophecy, it changes, it turns. It turns from God being in a marriage relationship with his people to now God is going to be a father to them as his children, which is what we just read there in chapter 11. So this morning, as, as we look at this passage a little deeper, what I really want for us to see is that there are three questions that we have to ask ourselves as we reflect on the book of Hosea itself. So let's dive into those now and let's see what those questions are, okay? So in verse one, we are immediately confronted with the fatherly love of God. Look at what it says. When Israel was a child, I loved him. This is the Lord speaking. It's not Hosea, but it's the Lord speaking. Now, this isn't talking about just one individual. This is talking about Israel as a nation, okay? As they were coming up out of Egypt after God had dramatically, okay, said a minute ago, delivered them, uh, they had been brainwashed by Egypt in their ideology and in their religion. And so the Lord is leading them out of this idea. He's trying to help them understand exactly who they are as a people, who they are as a nation. But there's this tenderness to the heart of God as he's leading Israel, this nation, and learning who they actually are. 
we see that God's love is tender, that it's patient, and that it's gracious to them as he's leading them out of Egypt. Now, remember, all of this is in the backdrop of Hosea's own life as a husband, but now also as a father, right? So we saw demonstrated with Hosea and Gomer's relationship in one through three, but now we're going to see the this shift of imagery into God being father and Hosea being able to relate to that as a father as well. And so all of Hosea's own emotions are wrapped up into this text as he's penning what God has revealed to him. He, he, you feel the emotions that Hosea feels as a father as well. And you might remember that last week, we said that most scholars believe that Hosea's last two children were probably not actually his, that they were fathered by some of the other men that Gomer had prostituted herself with. So just think about this for a second, okay? This particular text in chapter 11 we see that Hosea is reminded of his own fathering, fathering heart, okay? So just kind of paint this scenario. Here he has his, his second born, Loruhama, his daughter, and she's just learning to walk, right? And as every good parent does, you're trying to help them learn to be independent. And so he's just barely holding on to her with his pinky, right? She's got, a, she's got her hand on his pinky, and he's barely trying to let her, and he's trying to just barely let her go, Right? so that she can start taking her own steps. And she does. She starts taking those wobbly steps, right? But then she falls down, smacks her face, sits up, tears welling up in her eyes, and she lets out one of those baby cries, right? The ones where you're looking at your parent and you've got the tears and you know that they're watching now and you're about to just, and she lets go of that cry. See how you can actually feel the tender heart of God? inside the imagery of this. And I'm so grateful that our God never changes. Our God never changes. I, I want you to hear this passage. This is one of the most powerful and profound passages in all of Scripture. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. See, God's love towards us is just as tender and is just as intimate. Yet, look at the response of Israel. God said, when they were coming up out of Egypt, when Israel was young, I loved them. But look at the response. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. Now, the text is indicating that it's not God that's calling them. God's not the one calling to them, but it's something else. It's actually the false religions and ideologies of the Canaanites, the, the land that they were going into possessed that God was giving them. There were people there called the Canaanites that were living there, and they worshiped other gods and other idols. And so as they're going into this land to possess it, the Israelites feel the calling, the siren call of these other gods and other idols, and they are drawn to those gods and idols. In other words, they are trading the love and tenderness of the God who wondrously delivered them from worshiping idols and false gods right back to the siren calls of idolatry again. Now, moms in the room, I know you might understand this feeling, right? You'll understand this completely. There's nothing more humiliating or frustrating, right? When your little toddler is beginning to walk and you've got your arms and you're just sitting there going, come on come here, honey, come here, right? And then some other stranger's over there going, hey, come here. And they walk over to the stranger. 
There's nothing more humiliating or frustrating as a parent, right? You're like, I birthed you. I created you. Come to me, kind of thing, right? Here's the thing. It's not just Israel that suffered with this idea of going back into things that they once sinned in. It's us as well. We keep running back into the arms of the sin that God drew us out of, that God brought us out of, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. The author of Hebrews calls it the sin that so easily entangles us. So here's my first question for us this morning. What bondage, what sin has God led you out of that you keep going back into? For some of you this morning, it's an addiction. It's alcohol, pornography, greed. Others, it's simply the company that you keep, that those social circles, the people that you continue to hang out with, that even though you try to share how God has changed your life and what Jesus is doing in your life, they don't care to hear about it. They don't want to know about your faith. But you continue to hang out with them, and as you do, all they do is they drag you into the old lifestyle and old sin that you used to be in. And you know that every time you do that, you're breaking God's heart. Others in here, maybe it's this misunderstanding that you have of your identity now as a follower of Jesus. Though he calls you forgiven, you keep beating yourself up over something that you've done. In fact, you're beating yourself up so bad that you say this. You're like, you know what? You make excuses. I can't be in a group. That, if they knew how sinful I am, if they knew how bad I was, I, I can't be in that group. Or I can't help out with the kids. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm a bad person. I can't help out with the students. I can't help out with the kids. You're beating yourself up over something that you've done in the past. But please hear me say this. Those things are not who you are anymore. The scripture says this. It says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. Friends, please stop letting yourself get sucked back into that sin. Allow God's Holy Spirit to help you surrender yourself completely to Him. And for those of you who are suffering from the guilt and the condemnation of that sin that you used to be in, the one that you feel like keeps you from being able to be a part of community, Please hear me say this. Your worth is not dependent on what you have or haven't done. Your worth is completely dependent on what Jesus has already done and who he says that you are now. Ironically, do you know who one of the nations that Israel kept on going back to for financial help under the reign of Jeroboam this, at the time of Hosea's writing? You know the one of the nations they kept on going back to? Egypt. Egypt, the very people who had enslaved them, instead of trusting in God, the one who had powerfully led them out of that nation, had literally gone through the 10 plagues and led them out of that nation into the promised land of Canaan, making them their own sovereign nation. He led them to all of that. And instead of trusting the Lord and reaching out to him, 
They trust in nations that had them in bondage. And eventually, another nation, Assyria, who will come and take them off into captivity. They trust in other nations instead of trusting in God. Now, I want you to see something here. Because there's an interesting line that Hosea says here in chapter 11. And we looked at one last week in chapter 2, uh, which said this. It says that Israel did not acknowledge God. But here in chapter 11, he's, Hosea says something else. He says that they did not realize it was I who healed them. And, you know, we sit here, we, we, we read through this biblical account of Israel, and we're just shrugging our, our, our shoulders, and we're puzzled at how they missed it. How do you miss what God has done for you, that he's led you, provided for you, cared for you, healed you? How, how do you miss that? We almost want to shout at the text, Hello? Do you get this? Here's the thing. You know that old saying where if you're pointing one finger at one person, there's three pointing back at you? Yeah. So why? Why, why do they run back to these old oppressors instead of trusting and calling out to God? I think there's two reasons. The first one, they want to continue to worship the gods of their own design, something that they made, something that they created, something that they can see. And the second, they don't want to trust that God's word and his law brings life. Now, what's the three-fingered question pointing back at us? Who or what are you continuing to trust in besides God? Who or what are you continuing to trust in besides God? Because here's the thing. We have the same problem as Israel. We want to trust in something that we can see, something that we can create for ourselves, something that we can control and that makes us feel safe. And I'm going to say this, and it's going to be hard, but for far too many of us as Americans, it's wealth. It's money. I mean, after all, can't money solve all of our problems? I mean, hey, we have a marriage that's broken and barely hanging together. But here's what we'll do. You know what? We will take a vacation. We'll get to spend some time together. That'll help us kind of reunite. Or if it's really, really bad, you know what we'll do? We'll go to counseling. We're going to go to counseling. We'll spend some time there. That'll help. Sure, it's going to be a little bit costly, but it's okay. We're going to do that. Can I just say this? No matter how much you spend on going to the Bahamas at spring break or the 10 weeks that you spend in couples therapy, you're trusting in something that can address some of the problem, but it does not heal or save you from the root of that problem. We also need to realize, like Israel needed, that God alone is the one who heals, and we need to stop trusting in other things for our hope. It's not going to satisfy it. So despite how Israel put their trust in these other nations, and that they ran to the callings of other gods. Listen to God's heart towards them. This is verse 8 of chapter 11. So powerful. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? Remember the discipline that God said he's going to enact on Israel? This is God pleading with himself. How can I do this? How can I give you up? How can I hand you over? How can I treat you? Like Adma, how can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. 
again with a soft and tender and genuine heart, God the Father says, even though you've continued to chase after other things, even though you don't recognize that it was I who've done all these things for you, I will not give up on you. Then look at these powerful words. All my compassion is aroused. This word aroused in the Hebrew, it's the word kamar. And there's two ways that it's used in other places throughout the scripture. One is this idea of a kindling a very a hot oven, trying to, to make something, an oven hot and get it hot enough to be able to cook with, right? And the other one is this fiercely strong emotion that truthfully is only found in one place within Jewish culture. You know how in, you know, in American culture we say, uh, you know, I love you with all my heart because that's where my emotions are found, right? In Jewish culture, that's not where the emotions, the seed of the emotions were. You know where the seed of the emotions were? In their bowels, their stomach. Their stomach is where the emotions So God is saying, I love you with all that's in me, everything that makes my stomach ache, everything that turns within me that feels like rot, that's what's going on inside of me. That's this emotion, this compassion that's being aroused towards you. His compassion is at its capacity. See, in this verse, we see God demonstrating such strong emotions that he almost seems too human. Listen to how one commentator describes it. This, this verse, is one of the boldest in the Old Testament, indeed the whole Bible, in exposing to us the mind and heart of God in human terms. God loves His people. He is jealously in love with them, so much so that even when they choose to not show Him love, He still chooses compassion towards them almost foolishly. What about you? Last question that we have to ask ourselves. How is God showing you his gracious compassion right now? How is the Lord's compassion impacting you right now? Maybe like we mentioned earlier, literally last night, you were back into that old sin. You're doing one of those things that you did before you understood who Jesus was and instead of letting you suffer the consequences right then, right, right at that moment, the Lord has had mercy on you. You're here this morning. Or maybe this morning you're realizing for the first time how prone your heart is to wander away from the God who loves you and the God who created you. Yet this morning you feel his tender and compassionate love. I'd love, to, I'd love to read another line from that hymn I quoted earlier. These words are for every wanderer in the room. The ones who've heard about God's love for the first time today are the ones who know God's love and they continue to go back into the sin that they used to. Hear these words. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger, interposed, his precious blood. Jesus, the perfect Son of God, took the punishment for your wandering onto himself. 
He suffered so you wouldn't. He died so that you can live. This is the heartbeat of the Father. This is the love of God. I want to pray for everyone wandering this morning that you would wander into him. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we admit to you like the great hymn says, that we are prone to wander. Lord, to leave you, the God that we love, the God that we recognize, who has given his very life for us. But we're prone to wander away from that truth and that grace that we know so well. This morning, as we ask ourselves these questions, Lord, would you just remind us of your fatherly compassion? your fatherly love, and that we would find ourselves running or perhaps wandering back into your love. God, that you would help us to remain in that place, in that forgiveness, in that truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you have questions about this week's message or would like to start a conversation with someone about what it means to walk with Christ, please email pastor at cfeb.church. You can find earlier episodes of our podcast on our website at cfeb.church, where you can also give online to help support community fellowship in our mission to reflect and share Christ's love. We can also be found on many major distribution platforms like Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe to stay connected. Thank you again for listening. Now go out and love one another like Jesus did.